Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Countrymen's, lend me your ear. No, that's not it. Romulans. Welcome to <laughs> <Romans>. Romulans. Romulans. <laughs> we see Romulans in this episode. Hi, and welcome to What the Future Holds, your Star Trek Discovery podcast here on Hollow Sweet Media. And I am but one of the three hosts of the Triumvirate of Hosts. I am Brandy Jackola. With me, as always, is my husband, Dave. Dave, how are you? I'm good. I have a satisfied tummy because it's Thanksgiving Day that we're recording. Yes, we are recording on Thanksgiving Day because none of us went anywhere because we want our relatives to live. Yep. Live, so. damn you. Live. Live. And also always with us is our good friend, Christopher D. Littlefield. Chris, how are you on this Thanksgiving Day? Hello, I'm good. I also am going nowhere. My roommate, on the other hand, has made a different decision. So oh, no. hopefully this is hopefully everything will be okay. And but I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> um tell him he has to self isolate for two weeks when he gets home. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. But oh, yeah. I, I will quarantine myself as much as I can from him. <laughs> yes. That is the good plan. Very yes. good plan. Yes. Very good plan. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, we had an episode of Discovery, and boy, did we have an episode of Discovery. Boy, oh boy, did we <laughs> ever. And how oh, good is Chris at predicting stuff? I know. Right? Oh, my God. <laughs> I was. Yeah. Yeah. I and but the way that it was done, I just I couldn't have been happier with yeah. it. Agree. And it explains Agree. why you had a weird look on your face when I brought Tilly up last time about potentially, could she? Nah, it's too soon. No way. No way. Could she? Could she? And then Brandy got an odd look on her face, and I'm like, okay, well, we're going to just bypass that topic until there's more information, and now we have more information. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I just, uh, it was, I was a bit stunned that you just uh, had hit that nail on the head. <laughs> yeah, squarely. You're right. Right on the Excellent noggin. Excellent prediction. Excellent well, prediction. I mean, I just, in my head, I was just figuring all of the conversations and the mentoring with her and Saru, it just felt like, you know, is it a huge step from where we are? Yes. Is it completely implausible? No. It could happen. It could work and it could make sense. And I think it does. Agree. And I agree with Saru in that he is doing what is best for that ship. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, let's just talk about Tilly for a okay. bit. Let's just right. start sure. there. Since we're already talking about <laughs> it and her, how completely surprised she was when Saru said that he wanted her to be his acting first officer. I wasn't surprised. I was hoping for it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Chris, you were too. Dave, mm -hmm. what were you thinking? I didn't know who he was going to choose, but I'm 
have no issue with his choice. It is odd because she is one of the lesser experienced members of Discovery, but she's also proved herself time and again. Mm-hmm. And I think she relates with everybody on the crew. So if you want an officer that deals with like the personnel issues, you know, if you're the ship's captain, you're dealing more with like the big issues. You want somebody like just to handle everybody like a den mother. And I think that is Tilly's role, really. I think she's going to be really good for the, the personal stuff with uh, all the other crew members. And the science yeah. stuff. I mean, well, yeah, and the yeah, science yeah. stuff. Do, were you very happy about this, Brandy? You must have been. I was over the moon because <laughs> that's what I wanted to happen, but I didn't know if it would. And it uh, it proves to me once again that just because you love to feel feelings, that doesn't make you a terrible leader. It actually makes you a better leader. Mm-hmm. Because being able to empath- empathize with people is a very, very strong thing. And you, it's, it's like Stamet said at the beginning of season two. He said to Tilly that you're going to make a great captain because everything you do comes from a place of love. And that's why she gets people to follow her, which Stamet says in that scene where everybody has gathered together and I've just cried through that whole mm-hmm. scene. The cool say yes thing. And yeah. <laughs> Did I miss the cool say yes thing? <laughs> and uh, and he says that they would follow her anywhere. Yeah. And that is the power of love. And that is the power of Tilly. Yeah. And it's about damn time everybody got on board with that. I like how she went to Stamets first mm-hmm. to ask him if he was going to be okay with it or his advice because in a way he's a mentor for her mm, he, yes he's her direct commanding officer like he's like in a middle management position <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like hey is this going to be okay with you that i'm now going to basically be your boss yeah i like how honest he was when he was like yeah, mm-hmm. it's a little weird and it is <laughs> and you <know>? disturbing <laughs> he uses the word disturbing disturbing yeah <laughs> The the thing that I think is if that conversation hadn't gotten cut short, then I think he would have said some more things that would have put her more at ease. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, they were interrupted, and mm-hmm. she just she just took off. Owo oh, is a buzzkill. Yeah, come <laughs> on, Owo, oh, oh, pick your moments better. When you see yeah. two people talking in the spore drive chamber, just let them be. Until they're done. <laughs> I love that she pulled him in there. That's hilarious. Yes. Like, first of all, it's completely see-through. <laughs> so it's completely not like see-through. <laughs> and you can hear everything anyway. Yeah. So That was funny. She's like, why why are you doing that? Because it's not like it's not like completely soundproof or anything. Because it's obviously not. It's like the old Get Smart series when they do the cone of silence and it would never work <laughs> properly. They'd be <laughs> yelling at each other. It's like, we can see you and we can hear you. So what's the mm. point of this? Yeah. Yes. I I can understand her ambivalence about it. Not because she doesn't think that she can do it, but because she 
had a rough upbringing, and she has a mother that has never approved of anything that she's ever done. And that has an effect on you, even in your adult life, even when you're aware of okay. that and know that it's something that can influence you. It's still really hard to leave those feelings behind, especially if you feel that someone is putting you in a position that you're not qualified for. However, I think she is immensely qualified oh, in yes. ways beyond her imagining. But she can't always see herself the way other people see her. And I totally get that and feel that and understand that. Mm, I agree. It's difficult when you have a hypercritical parent because it just fills you with self-doubt. Nothing's ever good enough. You could be president of the United States of America and be in the wrong party. You know, mm -hmm. nothing's ever good enough. Yeah, you know that feeling, babe. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah. I think, though, what's so powerful about it is that even though she has those things, self-doubt and such, insecurities, she put it out there a long time ago, I'm going to be a captain one day. Mm -hmm. She yes. put it out there. She started manifesting that shit a long time ago in yeah, spite, in addition to all of her insecurities and fears. And here she is making it happen. And you never know when it's going to happen, but you can do the things that you want to do. And then when, when they finally do happen, I guess it's like, oh my God, for real? Is it like, I'm, I'm, she's not captain, but she's a much, she's a big step closer. Yes. You know? Uh, yeah. Having served as a first officer acting or otherwise is a huge step yeah. forward in that plan. And I think it will also be, I think it will also confirm her own feelings about being a good leader, that she can be a good leader, and that she is unique in the way that she leads, in a way that a lot of commanding officers, I don't know. It's not that I'm saying that other commanding officers don't do things out of a place of love, but Tilly is kind of like without guile in that respect. So it you just you always will know where you stand with her. And that is a really mm. important thing in leadership. Hmm. Just saying that from having been a leader. I hate being a leader, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I hate it too. Don't care for it at no. all. Do not like having authority. <laughs> I don't like management at all. Being in any kind of management position. Hate it. Mm. I don't hate and it. Yet I keep ending up. I keep ending up in management positions anyway. But I I prefer leadership that is like, you know, I, I can't remember, but like it's like some people are the types of leaders that are out telling people what to do and the other people, are, like good leaders are the ones who are serving the people that they mm -hmm. lead, you know? Right. I love that's the yep. kind of, that's the kind of thing that I respect and out of leadership. Don't see a ton of that, well, but I, I like it. Yeah, well, the, a good leader is one that knows that everybody knows how to do their job. And so they're like, okay, we need to get this done, go do it, and lets them figure out the way to do that. Because a good leader trusts their people and lets them do their jobs. The other kind of leader is the micromanager that just has to get into everybody's business uh -huh. all mm -hmm. the time actually slowing things down rather than making everything more efficient. Yep. Mm -hmm. Don't and be a making it a lot less 
enjoyable. Yeah. So I am very much looking forward into seeing, but looking, <laughs> let me try that again. That didn't make sense. I'm very much looking forward to seeing Tilly's new position and how she handles it. That is going to be really fun for me. Mm-hmm. My personal feeling is that she will remain first officer, but we'll see. That's my feeling too. Well, she's also a good counterpart for Saru because mm. I think Saru has difficulty. I mean, even though there's this idea that he's empathic, I'm not seeing it now. I don't see him being able to see from the perspective of his crew. And that is something Tilly can do. Hmm. Well, it's different when he's the captain. Yeah, right. Because he has more responsibilities and he has to, you know, this, this question came up in Voyager early on in the series where Tom and Harry were at in the mess hall and eating and the captain comes in and grabs some food and Harry's like, we should invite her to sit with us. And Harry's like, Tom's like, no, you don't do that. The captain has to maintain a certain kind of distance from their crew. They can't be chummy with everybody. And if she wants to join us, she'll let us know. And Harry's like, but it'd be nice to ask her, you know, and they have this disagreement. And I can see both sides of that argument. There isn't one really right or wrong answer. But that that comes up more than once throughout the course of Voyager about how close Janeway can get with her crew and still maintain a professional relationship yeah, because it's a lot different when you're out there stranded in the middle of nowhere. That changes mm-hmm. things. The circumstances are different. And so there's got to be a little more flexibility. And you have to be more vulnerable with these people. Yes, I agree. Yeah, we've made the comparison to the family dynamic with mm-hmm. Discovery's crew. Is that what kind of parent do you want to be? Do you want to be the parent that is in a authoritarian role or do you want to be the parent that's best friends with their kids there's you know pluses and minuses to both but you know there's also you know challenges to both as well like if you want to be in the authoritarian role you don't want to get too close to your kids but in that way you could be emotionally distant and that has its own problems so yeah i think saru is in that position where he's going to be the authoritarian figure and Mm. then Tilly can be the more uh, friendly one I disagree Mm. because I think that there's a medium I think that there's Mm. a place in between those two things and I think that's the place that Saru is trying to find but even so as captain he can't you know socialize with the crew the way he did before yeah it already seems like he's distancing himself you often see him apart from other crew members or he'll come in mention something that's basically an order you know let's focus on other forms of travel because you know we can't just afford one person being able to jump we need other alternatives and then leave you know there's not really many personal things unless he's having discussion with either a medical officer with Cobra or with, you know, his first officer. Yeah, but he had that Thanksgiving dinner. 
<laughs> yeah. The uh, we talked a couple weeks ago about how I've noticed that Saru is learning how to step back and observe an mm-hmm. entire situation now. Mm-hmm. He does it a lot in conversations when Admiral Vance is talking with uh, Michael. He's more of a standing there as a leader, letting them have their discussion and taking all the information in. And I see him doing that increasingly on the ship as well. And Tilly is the kind of person that her mind is always going a million miles a minute. Mm -hmm. And she's thinking of different things. She's thinking of different options. If someone suggests she do something, oh, I've already done some research on that. So she can can focus on all of these little minutiae because that's the kind of person that she is. That's the way her brain works. Saru has much a much broader uh, view now. And so I feel like it's a good match. Yeah. yeah, your first officer needs to be there for options. Yes. And that's something Tilly can do in spades. It's like, okay, how are we going to deal with this issue? I need, like, three things. Mm-hmm. It's like either Tilly can come up with those on her own or she can get them from the crew. Yeah. Well, and when you think about it, I mean... Would you see Giorgio hanging out with everybody at movie night? I mean, the original Giorgio, no. Prime Universe Giorgio. Would you see Lorca doing that? I mean, captains have to maintain that certain distance, and that is what Saru is navigating right now. Yeah, it took seven years for Picard to go and play cards with, with yeah, the rest I of the Yeah, I was going to bring crew. that up. So, <laughs> yeah. You're thinking the same thing here. Yeah. yeah. The, I can see Anson Mount's Pike doing it. Yes, I mm. think so. I think but, Anson Mount yeah. is a lot more like Archer in that regard because you mm. saw Archer at movie night. Right. A lot. That yeah. was one of the things he participated in. So, yeah, it's it's a tricky tightrope to walk and Saru is mm-hmm. finding his way and he's right. learning every week. He's learning the kind of captain that he is and the, what he wants to be. So, mm-hmm. I liked him with the... Is it Vakar or what's the name of New Vulcan? Uh, Navar. Navar. No. Navar. Navar. Okay, I liked Saru's conversation with the president of Navar. Oh yeah. Her name was Tarina. She's Tarina. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. obsessed with her. I think he has a crush. <laughs> and I oh, think that it's didn't mutual. occur to me. Yep. <laughs> they had a they had a very they had a vibe going on. The two of them, especially in that final scene before she bamped out. You know, I There's read it vibes. I read it differently. I read it as she is wondering if because he's bringing her the hope of what she knows the Federation can be, and she's wondering, can he truly? Is he truly like this? Because the other people who are in Federation that have been there have lost that in some ways because they've been trying to just survive. But but maybe, sure. Well, I'm not saying that it's necessarily going to be something sexual. I'm just saying <laughs> that they really clicked, the two of them. Yeah, yes. Well, it's hard with Vulcans because how do Vulcans do romance, really? I well, think it's the closest thing to romantic is- interest that we're likely to see from a Vulcan in Saru's direction. Hmm. Yes, and I think that it was... Well, let's let's talk about this now. Uh it was very interesting to see a variety of different Vulcans. Yes. Vulcans that were purists. Vulcans that were 
somewhat in between, like Tarina, Vulcans who were more Romulan. It We got a really interesting slice of what this planet is like now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From this episode. And I must say I'm enjoying the diversity and enjoying the very real issues that they are dealing with. Oh my god. Yeah. Trying to integrate their societies still. Like post-election America. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I yep. while we're talking about that, I just have to bring up the the quote that I DM'd you, Brandy. Yes. Earlier, which was because I watched it today. You y'all have already seen it, but we we uh, watched it today again. The so. quote: "Even science cannot be separated from cultural and political context. There are always implications." When they said that line, I was like, "Holy shit!" Again, here we mm-hmm. are. Holiday weekend, people traveling, people denying science, people not wearing masks, blah, 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 blah. Completely appropriate for the week that we're watching it. What in Mm -hmm. the holy hell? Like, I just, it's so many things. And that was only one example in this episode. Yes. It's, it once again, every single week that this show has been on, there has been something that has been so prescient for the time that we are living in right now. And all of this was written and filmed before the pandemic yeah, was like even a year on ago. our radar. <laughs> and that is... It's a cosmic uh, impossibility. It's, it's, <laughs> but it's, it but is, it's not. right? It's not. No, it's a strange are, coincidence, for sure. There are no coincidences, I believe. Yeah. Co- coincidences Synchronicity. can be... Yeah. I, I feel like... All of the things that had to happen to make Discovery come out at this time, that would be a huge amount of coincidences. It was almost as if the universe is like, no, 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 not yet. Not yet. They need this during this time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's how it happened. I know I'm reading a lot into it, but... I I believe that it is part of the cosmic balance, personally. Mm-hmm. I believe that absolutely this season of Star Trek Discovery is is part of that. Because it has felt very dark in the last few months. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean weather-wise. Yeah. <laughs> I just mean there's been a heaviness. There's been a darkness to life. Mm-hmm. And that's so. in the season, too, which is, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, but it's not, a lo- it's not only that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just amazing really (laughs) i will say that i ugly cried a lot in this episode i think that this was the i think that i cried more in this episode than any other episode this season so far especially the last third of the episode yep that was just scene to scene a brand new fresh cry opened up in every scene (laughs) yeah i i i started out with tissue in my lap before you know even i mean because i'd already seen it once but i knew that i was going to have even stronger reactions this time because subtitles help with Mm. things that you might have missed but also there's just more context for everything and so i feel like i can really let go and feel everything because i'm not watching it for the first time so I feel like I have stronger reactions the second time through or something. Dave, you've been trying to say something. I'm so sorry, sweetie. <laughs> I've been trying to say several things, but it can, the other thing can wait because we're on a different topic now. Um, but speaking of the subtitles, uh, Pier Vakir. Without the subtitles, it sounded like peer-to-peer, like computing. 
<laughs> so every time they said peer of a cure, it was like, did they just say peer to peer? Because I thought they were like talking about being peers, talking to another peer. It's like peer to peer, this, 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 then that. It's like, no, peer of a cure as they were speaking directly to mm. the Vulcan purist. So yeah. that's well, just. Well, they, they were all peers. You know, that's yes. how they addressed each other as peer. And then, mm. of course, with the. Shira, I kept saying, is she Shira, Princess of Power? I because know. That's awesome. It's spelled S H I R A, but even so, the way Still. that it's pronounced, I'm just like, Shira. Yeah, Shira. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you go, girl. I can't remember I what was I was listening to. It was three. a podcast, but they were talking about, I think it's Oshira, that in like really old, like Testament stuff, it was God's counterpart that's been basically written out of the Bible. Mm. Oh. But was the female counterpart to the you know to God to Yahweh, the so, Yang to the uh, Yin? Yeah, is that so, the Apocrypha? Um, yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. The rejected parts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the parts that might actually support that queer community is a thing mm -hmm. <laughs> there's a particular gospel that talks about you know queer relationships but that yeah. got excised so, oh, yeah. the, the gospels written by women got excised mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. a lot of things just to keep those uh those men in power you yeah. know i was thinking during this episode that we are seeing a lot of women in power and i'm loving it mm -hmm. i i thought mm -hmm. of it this episode specifically and then i thought back to the other episodes and i'm like Admiral Vance is a little bit of an outlier, but I'm. It really made me happy to realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, how about the little rumblings that Federation isn't that great after all? That they pressured. I'm gonna get this name wrong all over. Like Vicar, what's the name Navarre. of this planet? Navarre. Navarre. We met God, a lot of new remember. people and places in this episode. Yeah. Yep. And but, terms and stuff. Yeah. But that the Federation basically pressured Navarre to go ahead with that experiment. And so Navarre blames the Federation for having them cause the burn because they think they started it. Mm. And the data they have might suggest that they did, but who's to say? Because they're not going to release it to anybody because it's a really sensitive topic. Well, that's the thing. According to them, their data proves that they started the burn. But mm -hmm. they don't have the entire story, do they? Right. Yeah, and what, millionths of a second off? Millionth of a nanosecond. Millionth of a nanosecond, wow. which is a thousandth of a second, I believe. Yeah. So it's a hundred thousand million. Okay, there's a point in science with fractions that it becomes negligible. And at one hundred or one thousandth of a millionth of a second off... Might as well be immediate. So it's odd that they're relying that much on this very, very minute change in time well, to locate was, the source of the burn. That was between two ships. The uh, the distant the time difference between that the second ship and the next ship was a larger difference. Yeah, it was still like seven nano millionths of a second or whatever. Yeah, but that's still not instantaneous. That's no, still but not it's... every single ship going off at the same time, which can which yeah, per, it's just so minute. It infers a wave happened and, rather than yeah. 
a very fast wave. And it also, I think sometimes there's only one little teeny tiny infinitesimal shred of hope that you have to hold on to sometimes to, you know, and I think it's also representative of that. Right. Agree. Sometimes the only thing you can hold on doesn't even make sense because it's so small and there's everything else is eclipsing it so much. But just that one little glimmer of hope can keep you going and can can save the day. Right. Yes. All philosophical and shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to bring up the kind of scientific aspect yeah. of that because I remember taking science classes in college and them talking about that, that there comes a point with a fraction where you're going to round off anyway because it's it gets so minute that it really doesn't matter anymore yeah well well it's like if you if you walk halfway between one point and another point and you always just keep walking halfway you're never Mm going to get there oh yeah paradox yeah the paradox of halves yes that's like hell (laughs) i keep walking in the same direction but i never get there so I just wanted to bring that up <laughs> yes, as of kind course. of a counter and to kind of explain how their position might be, you know, on the the Navarre side of things, especially the, the Vulcan purist. Yeah. Saying that your your different numbers really aren't that specific, I guess, that that meaningful to support yeah. their claim. It depends on like like you and I are seeing it in a different way. Like, it just depends mm-hmm. on the way that you look at it. Depends on perspective. Exactly. And that's the thing. There are facts, and the facts exist regardless of who's looking at them, but perspective is what changes the relevance of the facts. Mm-hmm. And personally, my feeling is we are judging all of these facts by twentieth, 21st century knowledge, and we have to remember mm. that this is something that's taking place in the year 3189. Well, it's also written by our perspective, too, because the writers don't live in the future either. So Yes, but they are imagining yeah. that our it's science is so much yeah. more advanced that these small fractions do make a difference. Indeed. All right. Gosh, where do we want to go from here? <laughs> I was about to bring up Michael's mother. We oh, finally yeah. see her again. Oh, oh Gabrielle. Yeah, I when when uh, t- uh, when Tarina says that the co-op Milot have provided an advocate, I'm like the co-op Milot. I know. Yay, I was so glad. I was so glad to hear her about I that. I know, and that uh, she had taken a particular interest in michael's case and i thought well they only bind themselves to hopeless causes so that's not good and then i just yeah. i just thought oh i wonder who it'll be you know, i didn't even think some i didn't e- i didn't either i never in a million years thought it was going to be gabrielle the and only, so when she yeah oh my the god the only person i can yes. think of was the friend of picard and obviously been dead. Who, she would have been dead <laughs> and <laughs> and I, and i loved her but but yeah. that didn't really make sense either yeah to have the character show up hooded mm-hmm. so you can't see the face was interesting because you're like, why? Why hide the face unless this is a reveal oh, and what are they going to reveal? <laughs> and then, ta-da, it's Gabrielle. So that was fun. Yeah, and I, for drama. I really felt we'd see her yeah. again, and I'm glad. Ooh, I did not think again. we were going to see her in this type of 
position role oh, I, situation. Oh, I never imagined in a million years. Oh, yeah, Gabrielle got back to the future and joined the co-op Milot. Who had that yeah. on their bingo card? She's Nobody. a Romulan nun now. <laughs> yeah, what? Dave? It's really interesting how they address the absolute candor thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is that, yes, you can be very honest, but you don't have to be brutally honest. Because there's a way that Gabrielle tried to ease her in when she said she that Michael was between places, mm-hmm. when what she really meant was lost. You're lost. I think she did that because she's her mom. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. So, you know, you can be honest, but there's a way of being honest where you can also be deceptive in a way. So it's interesting that it kind of shows a little flaw in the system of absolute candor that the way you say something, even though you're being honest is still deceptive. I disagree because the thing about candor is that it's more than honesty. Yeah, it should be earnesty too. Yeah, because absolute candor means you hold nothing back. Right. That means you tell everybody everything, Mm -hmm. how it is. And you see Gabrielle do that during the thing that I can't remember the name of. The, the oh, t- man, I had the it and t- then t- forgot. Particular something. It's, the, <sighs> I made it all up. Oh, man, I had it. I had it and I lost it. Damn it. I'm going to look it up <laughs> because that's what I do. To call in Ket. I was to call almost there. In to call Ket. in Ket. All right. And they're gongs and stuff and they're programmable manner torches oh cool you know i (laughs) thought it was funny that everyone just kept interrupting everybody in that process i I was thinking surely this is going to be structured and it was just like a (laughs) free-for-all like Mm -hmm. everyone Mm -hmm. just kept interrupting then gabrielle took over and it was just it was i found that funny i got the impression it was very similar to a scientific symposium Mm. if you get a bunch of scientists in a room and they're going to debate a scientific topic it could get a little passioned and everybody's going to come in with their own ideals like the romulan who just wants to you know keep peace and the purist who wants to keep information hidden you know they all have their own agendas and that's going to cloud their judgment it's not going to be about pure science and that's even though Michael's kind of pushing for that. And it's interesting how Michael pushed them into the corner by bringing it up in the first place, mm-hmm. forcing their hand. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you're not going to even allow us in? Well, I, as a member of the scientific you know, Vulcan science community. Ca- graduate of the Vulcan Science Academy. Yeah. Hereby invoke. How many courtroom dramas do we have in Star Trek? And it was so yep. cool to get another one. Like, there's a lot in the films, in the series, mm-hmm. and, and we got another one here, but it was so much more layered. It wasn't just like, is Data a human, or is Data yeah. property or not? It was like so layered because of all the different perspectives of people, but I love a good old-fashioned Star Trek courtroom drama. Mm-hmm. And I love how when Michael brings it up, all the re- crew of Discovery look at her like, what's that? Because <laughs> they have no idea what it is. <laughs> like, you did something, and it seems to be important. What is it? It reminded me of a Riker move, actually, Mm. that she made. Yeah, yeah. And she she did what she had to do to keep her foot in the door. Yep. And thankfully, her knowledge of Vulcan ways helped her 
in that regard. And I also found it interesting the way that the whole room was set up. Like, it wasn't these guys in front and then Michael and her advocate in front of them. No, there were people on both sides. Like, one side of the room was probably a mixture of Vulcans and Romulans. The other side of the room was mostly Discovery people and uh, President Tarina. I, I don't know why I keep almost messing up her word, her, her word, her name. Her name? Well, her name sounds very similar to, like, a name we would have here on Earth. Yeah. So it's not that You have to put in the Tarina. 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 It sounds like Trina, but yeah, it's got an apostrophe not. in it. And President so, Trina. Yeah. It, and she didn't go over to the other side to sit with her people. She sat with Saru. Yeah, so they could play footsie and... <laughs> dance swap notes no, whisper I, sweet nothings i don't know i think maybe she wanted to see things from the <laughs> other side like literally she wanted to see the the motorcycle uh, cop motorcycle cop is a sweet nothing <laughs> <laughs> that's when you say motorcycle cop is chasing cop us, is chasing us. <laughs> sorry we're quoting things from the muppet movie never mind oh my gosh um, it's been yeah. so long <laughs> Kermy, whisper sweet nothings into my ear. <laughs> Motorcycle cop. Motorcycle cop is a sweet nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. Nothing. 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 <laughs> I'm whispering sweet nothings. It, those were very sweet. But yeah, it is an interesting setup. It's kind of like a, a weird wedding. But like the bride sides are on one side groom on the other yeah so it was interesting that uh yeah that she sat there and i think that she sat there because she wanted to view the peers and also because she mm. wanted to sit by saru maybe he smells <laughs> nice maybe she liked the way he smells yes. i don't know but mm. I, I think she just mm. i don't know Kelpian. that she's ever necessarily interacted much with kelpians before so it might have been a curiosity thing on her part as yeah, well maybe so i found her to be Less severe than mm -hmm. your average Vulcan. Did she so, remind you, and did just the idea with interacting with Vulcans again, did it remind you of Enterprise? Like, I kept thinking Star Trek Enterprise a lot mm -hmm. with all of the Vulcan, but it was different, but it just reminded me of it. I don't know if it's the color of what she was wearing, that, like, that beautiful, like, bluish thing, but it just something some things felt like enterprise to me hmm. Random. she definitely seemed more emotional yeah and she's a comedian apparently mm. that was a compliment <laughs> <laughs> yeah for a vulcan that's a knee slapper yeah mm -hmm. yeah that well that's the thing when you don't know someone very well and it comes from a vulcan you're just you take them at face value, and then you didn't realize. Oh, oh, you were you meant that in a nice way. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, a folk and comedian would have to explain their jokes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that would that would actually be funny in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Oh my <laughs> god! The thing that makes Vulcan this quite funny: a Vulcan stand-up comedian. It's the upsetting of expectations, because <laughs> what you were anticipating me saying was this, and I said that instead. <laughs> Which is quite humorous. 
I now want to see that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somebody's going to do that. Somebody somewhere is going to do that. Yeah. They're going to the dress Vulcan up like comedian. Vulcan and do a, a skit yeah. where Vulcan Sounds does like something comedy. for the new gong show or something. Works for me. I'd watch yep. it just for the mm-hmm. sake of watching it. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I, and going back to the whole absolute candor thing, because when Gabrielle really lets loose on Michael, she is not cushioning any of the blows. Nope. God, it felt so, so good, though. Like, yeah. I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. make her tell it to her. Get her get her to be <laughs> honest. Come on. And it sounds a lot like a lot of the critics of the series and specifically yes. critics of Michael calling her out on all the things she's done wrong, all the poor choices. Yeah. And somebody brought up the point that a redemptive arc or just an arc at all does not have to be linear it doesn't have to be this this graph that's it's a straight line Mm -hmm. it's like if you're a struggling addict that you're gonna have dips and you know you might increase gradually and improve gradually but you're gonna have these dips like all her bits of mutiny or insubordination it's not a constant it just comes in waves and you know she she's doing fine she makes a mistake she learns from it she makes another mistake. She and it's just going to be a gradual increase. But yeah, it will be this weird undulating wave pattern as she improves. Well, isn't that really the case for all people? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's reality. All our lives are that way. The problem yeah. with presenting characters for long periods of time, eighties, nineties, that are like these picture perfect versions of people. They may have their flaws, but it's either good or bad. Or they do right or they do wrong. Or they do right and then they make a huge mistake and never do it again. Or they're really, really good and then they make a huge mistake and then they do something nice and then they're totally redeemed forever. Life isn't like that. And when we're presented with characters like that, they don't reflect who we are as people. Now we have that. And so I'm like, I get it. I get it. I get it. And I feel like people who are not understanding that and watching it are not watching this series. They're not, you know. Not truly. They may be looking at it, but you know that this is this is truly showing us how we are. Yeah. And I love how Michael is forced to confront herself on her role in the Federation. Does she yeah. belong there? Mm-hmm. Finally, she just has to look in the mirror and go, "Okay, where am I supposed to be? What has the Federation done for me? What have I done for the Federation? Do I belong?" And yeah, she arrives to a conclusion. Yes, this is my family. This is where I belong. I I identify with the Federation because we hold the same ideals that we do things for the greater good. The greater good. The greater good. good. <laughs> Sorry, anyone who's ever seen... Um, oh my gosh. Hot Fuzz. Thank you, Hot Fuzz. Uh no idea. Anytime anyone says, "Oh, it's oh, hilarious! It's fuzz. amazing! It's, it's fantastic!" Please watch it. It <laughs> uh, is—it's is, one of those things where anytime anyone says the greater good, we have to repeat the greater good. The greater good. In like a dead tone, <laughs> because mm-hmm. watch if everyone who's seen the movie knows what we're talking about. Anyway, okay. Because cultists, yeah, uh, cultists, yeah. yeah, cultists, cultists that seem quite ordinary, but. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I I actually really liked that 
it was the way of absolute candor that brought that out of her because Mm -hmm. Gabrielle wasn't going to pull any punches, not even for her own daughter. And that, that shows that she embraces truly her place in the co-op Milot and doesn't make exceptions for even her family. So that's, that's a very good thing to be a true sister of the co-op Milot. And when she said, you'll always know where to find me. Oh my God. Water <sighs> works had already been happening, uh-huh. but that was one, yeah. that was a trigger point. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. uh-huh. Uh-huh. Cause, and I don't know if, other people understood the significance of that because she said, this is something I've been wanting to be able to say to you for a long time. You'll always know where to find me. And that's because she's been skipping through time for yes. 20 fucking years. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> unable to connect with her daughter. And it's just, oh, it meant so much. Maybe even so longer. Much. Yeah. Depending on, you know. Yeah. Who well, knows, really? What the amount of time is that she's been doing it since she's been going back and forth through time. Time is Yeah, fluid. well, she's, she is still aged, though. So oh, I'm going to say it was okay. 20 years. <laughs> All right. Fair. Okay, Dave, what were you going to say, honey? I like also that with being brutally honest, Michael has to admit that she's not sure. Mm-hmm. That this is what the evidence points to, but she cannot be certain, which is why she wants more evidence. And also that she realizes that she has indeed pressured them into this situation is about to cause more problem than it's what it's worth, that she's going to create unrest on Navarre and rescinds her request. Which Mm -hmm. is huge for Michael. Yep. Yeah. It was the best thing she could do. It showed proper diplomacy, that she realized she had taken things too far She put aside her need. I need to know what this is all about. I need to know every day. You know what? I don't need to know at this moment. It's going to cause this and this and this and this. Really good writing. Really good writing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she corrected a mistake before she made it. Yes. Showing that she has learned. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (sighs) And then she got what she wanted. She got what everybody wanted. Well, that's what Gabrielle said, yeah, yeah. All, the whole time. There, There is someone else in the audience. There's yep. there's someone else in the audience that is watching you. And I immediately knew it was Tarina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was the first person that came to mind. So I... Uh, and the thing is, she wasn't thinking about any of that. She hadn't even remembered that. She was just taking what her mother had brought out of her and taking it to its natural conclusion and realizing that the damage that she could cause was not worth it. Yeah. And being the good person that she is, her ambition to figure this out, she curtailed that herself, yep. stepped back to preserve the unity of the planet. She made the right decision. She worked it through mm-hmm. and made the right decision. Yeah. Even though it wasn't what she wanted. Yeah. She made the choice to not get what she wanted. It was a big moment. And by doing so, she got what she wanted. Mm -hmm. Huge. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. Very satisfying. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I, everything about, I love everything about this episode. 
mm-hmm. every single moment, every single thing. How about seeing Spock? That's when I started uh, crying. I, I, I mean, Ethan Spock and then Nimoy Spock, like both. She got to see him as an old man. Like mm-hmm. when Brandy cries. Oh, oh my God! And we heard him. We saw. We saw him. You know. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I'm feeling it again, y'all. Yep. 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 And I watched Unification 1 and 2 right before. So I got them bam, 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 all in order this morning. Yep. A lot of people are doing that. So you went through a lot oh. of tissue. <laughs> I didn't use any tissue. I just, I just let it all go all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a flood. Floor's wet. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I can't cause such a slipping hazard as that, so I use the yeah. tissue. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just running down my face and then in my neck and then down into my cleavage, and that's never pleasant. <laughs> Boop tears. But there's Boop different tears. types of tears. Like Sometimes it's just like constantly running, and sometimes it's mm-hmm. just like a well, and then, you know, there's different yeah. kinds of tears. They all have different chemicals and stuff, too. I want the anime ones that come out like a waterfall, (laughs) like a geyser. I don't want those. Um, No. Yeah, for me, it was the uh, constantly going down the face. Mm. This is a beautiful episode. It is. And it's very touching. I got to say, after last week, everything that I'm going to everything that they put me through last week was completely worth it. So earned so clever brilliantly written i mean the arc from last week to this week everything paid off for me it everything made sense what they did last week even me having a hard time with some things right it was i was feeling exactly what they wanted me to feel (laughs) Mm -hmm. and michael's struggling with her place still that Mm -hmm. it wasn't until the end of the episode where she decided that yes she was going to stay because she and book get it on <laughs> they do implied sex yeah, yeah. Un- little unzipping yeah. a little unzipping good for her good for her to be able to be that mm-hmm. vulnerable again and then to actually think about what where they would go if she decided to leave the federation so just go to space and travel together yeah. And so yeah, she's stuck between those two possibilities. It's like stay with the Federation or go live with Book. Maybe she can have both. That's what I like. It doesn't have to be one or the other in life. Mm-hmm. Like life is doesn't yeah. always have to be one path or the other. You make your own path. You can you know. Yeah. <laughs> I like the convenience that book ship just fits just fits i like that it's angled hole. out so that they can look yeah. out the back mm-hmm. yep look out at the stars yeah yeah they have to back in yep then again it's modular so it probably goes in it just modulates and shifts and then they're facing the other direction yeah i can do that mm-hmm. we've seen yeah. that maybe there's an auto park feature <laughs> of course there's an auto park feature what spaceship worth its salt wouldn't have that i was wondering does the energy like 
are they is it just running off it's all its own energy there in the cargo bay like are there is there are they plugged in like they're pro they mm. probably are plugged into the main <laughs> extension cord yeah. from the ship oh right <laughs> it's like an rv park and yep. they have plugged into like the septic tank yep they got the water main hooked up to yep. the all all of the utilities are hooked up to the yep. ship from discovery so they're yeah. they're solid you know yeah waste extraction yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Patch indeed. it through to Discovery. <laughs> Discovery RV Park. Discovery probably recycles all that stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because future efficiency. Like Waterworld mm -hmm. when he recycles his pee and then drinks it. Wow, oh, right. Um Dune did it first, you guys. Oh yeah. <laughs> Way first. Did it with all indeed. bodily fluids. All of it. That's what still mm -hmm. suits were for. Oh. Yeah. Speaking of Picard. <laughs> yes, Patrick Running through Stewart a battle holding a puppy. Yeah. Pew, 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 pew. He was in Oh my that. god, that's right. Yeah, he was in that. He was Gurney Halleck. <laughs> mm -hmm. <sighs> Can we talk about the USS Yelchin? Yeah, oh, I yes. know. My heart. Oh my god. My heart. Oh my, my heart. god. <sighs> that's all i yeah. had to say i don't know what else to say to that i know yeah. it was it was lovely that they honored him that way so, so what's great about this series or just star trek in general is that it, it honors its own yes and that's appreciated you know mm -hmm. uh, people people need to see that the support yeah. that we give those who are no longer with us. Oh, here's one thing. Um, I told Dave this earlier because I was looking at one of my Facebook groups about Discovery. I'm only involved in the positive ones because no haters. I don't want haters. I don't need any more haters no spewing hate. hate in my life. And H8. Yep. There was a guy who's like, okay, this is a nerd group and we can post nerdy stuff, right? And he went on to explain why detached nacelles are, uh, create extended maneuverability, improve their oh. maneuverability. It's because where the nacelle is joined to the ship, that is the point of the ship that would take the most stress were they to do some high-speed maneuver and could tear the nacelle off. If the nacelle is detached, there's nothing to tear off. Therefore, they can, they can perform all kinds of high-speed maneuvers without worrying about losing their nacelles. Nice. Well, I like this guy. Yeah. In uh, hand-to-hand uh, -hand weaponry, there's a thing called an articulated club. These are your flails, your chaku, anything like that. It's your chained weapons. And what's cool about them is you can create even more force because of the articulation. Mm -hmm. That you swing the handle, the chain will actually swing the other bit of it faster like and harder. Yeah, nunchucks are exactly like that. So, you know, when you're seeing people with nunchucks just swing it around so rapidly... Just that little bit of a wrist motion, because of the, that chain, that articulation, actually creates more force in the other end of Is it. Is that centripetal force? 
centripetal or centrifugal i forget which one mm-hmm. one of them one's outward one's inward but it yeah but it's basically like that it just increases the force that goes to the opposite end like a whip mm-hmm. And if that's the case with the nacelles, I could see how that would increase shear maneuverability because if they're turning faster than the ship's turning, you're going to be doing all kinds of cool, funky maneuvers. Yeah. There's no friction at that point because there's no yep. point. The nacelles right. aren't joined to that strut, so mm-hmm. it's, yeah. And I was just like, oh, they were thinking scientifically when they decided to do that. See, you guys? I want to know whose idea it was. Some, yeah. Somebody just... We should have detached nacelles. At some point, one person said that. I want to know who was it. Kurtzman? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. who was it that just said, yeah. I want to know who that one... Wh- who is patient zero with that idea? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It'd be interesting if it came from the design side of things, but you would think it'd come from like either the showrunner or in the writer's room. Yeah. And this guy who posted this, he was using uh, maglev trains as a sort of similarity in Mm. that regard. Oh, yeah. That there is no friction because there are no wheels contacting the track. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you have better maneuverability and speed. And faster. Yeah. Right, right, right. So there you go, guys. There's... One thing I'd like to see with the refit, and that's that there's no port navigation lights anymore that I can tell. Mm. There should be green lights at starboard, red lights at port, so that you can tell which way the ship's facing. Mm. And we've seen that in the past with Federation starships, is they have the green and red lights to show which side of the ship is which. And those seem to be removed for the whole Tron look. And I like the Tron look, but I miss the port navigation lights. Well, to be fair, we haven't had like a really good static look at Discovery since the refit. We haven't. So I don't know. Maybe instead of having uh, specific colored lights, they have a certain number of lights. I just don't know because I haven't had a Mm. good enough look at the entire ship, the 360. I know. Every time they show it, I'm like, no, wait, hold, stop, wait, don't. I know. I keep wanting to. Don't cut away. I just want to get up in there and look all up. Get all up in its guts and get a good look at it. Oh, it seems like a lot of people got confused when it left that whole illusion bubble. Yeah, the distortion field and then jumped. Oh, really? People thought that was part of the jump. It's like, no, they had to move out of the distortion field and then jump. Yeah, that's what they did. Yeah, I think it's confusing because of the they started getting ready before grammar. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, Stamets is already putting his hand in the goo and pushing forward when the ship leaves the distortion field, and I think that confused viewers. I can yeah. see that it was a weird editing thing. Yeah, and that's okay. Now, now yeah. we know. I th- I think we just yeah. forgot for a minute that the Federation and Starfleet were inside a distortion field. And so, because the first time we watched it and it was coming out, I'm like, wait, what's going on here? And then I realized, oh, yeah, the distortion field. So yeah. I want to call it the Heidi Bubble. The Heidi Bubble. That is the its Heidi new bubble. name. The now official the designation bubble. for what the future holds is Heidi Bubble for the distortion <laughs> yep. field. Okay. Because it's fewer syllables. So, mm-hmm. no, it's not. The Heidi Bubble. Distortion field is the same amount of syllables. <laughs> 
And like Heidi, H-I-D-E-Y, not like <laughs> Heidi song. Not, not like pigtails and yodeling in the mountain right. snow. <laughs> exactly. No, no Heidi, um, but Heidi. Yeah. So Heidi, Heidi Bubble. Heidi Bubble. That is the official <laughs> like designation from this point forward. <laughs> Unless you prefer Stealth Bubble, but I like Heidi Bubble. Heidi I like Bubble Heidi is so bubble. much more fun. Yeah. It's just fun to say. I think we might have a show title. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Since we've been talking about yeah. Heidi Bubble for so long. And done. <laughs> that makes it simple. Yeah. Yeah. All right, gents, is there anything else that we want to discuss about this amazing episode? <laughs> I was about to ask that, too. I'm trying to think back what I was going to say. Oh, about coincidence. Mm. Um, look at the sinking of the Titanic. If you put it all together, it seems like fate, but actually it's just a series of poor choices of not having enough life rafts, of the, of not having the water sail doors go all the way, of not having the right metal for the rivets. All of these things. Of having the audacity to together. say that it's a ship that God himself couldn't sink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> just one after the other or, you know, going in a different direction than they were planning to originally just all these little choices that each are you know their own point but when you string them all together yeah you get a tragedy and that's kind of the distinction between what appears to be fate and what is just a series of coincidences so yeah it's really can be tricky to distinguish between the two look i'm not saying that anything is fate okay I'm really not. I'm just saying that sometimes things work out in such an uncanny way as to slap Mm -hmm. us in the face. Yeah. I think that, That... yeah, I mean, so Jung said, until we make the unconscious conscience, until we make the unconscious conscious, it will direct our lives and we will call it fate. And so Mm -hmm. to me, like, I, I fully believe that some collective consciousness somewhere with what we're going through because time doesn't mean anything to the universe. I think it's all related. I think it's, I think it's definitely, it is remarkable. And that it's a trend It's like when you put enough points on a graph, you have a trend. And so far this season of discovery has again and again and again hit us with something prescient. That's something that relates specifically to the here and now when it wasn't originally intended to. It's just odd. And at a point you gotta go, okay, this there's more going on here than seems right and proper or, you know, that you could just chalk up to chance. It's just odd how well it relates. It's amazing, right? Yeah. It is. And if you start to get into um quantum physics and quantum mechanics, uh exactly. it actually doesn't seem that improbable that right. it is something that has happened by design not necessarily a conscious design so right and again like time time doesn't mean anything time is for us to measure things with but like you know if michael goes back in time and talks to tyler she's talking to him in her future but he's and he's alive in her present even though in her present he's dead so like Mm -hmm. it's a construct so i think it's just all part of universal balance yeah (laughs) Well, there's also that cinema trick where they just took this bit of film of somebody just looking blankly out of a window, and then they can clip that in with any other scene, and it seems like amazing acting because the audience relates 
the look on that actor's face with whatever's happening, whether it's happy, sad, whether it's horrific or anything. And so there's a way of just the audience taking what they're feeling and putting it onto whatever they're watching. So there's sure. always that thing too, is that maybe the season of discovery isn't as prescient as it seems, but I think it is, mm. but we're just putting that onto it because that's the space we're in. But that's the purpose, just you know, even if projecting, yeah. yeah, it's still the purpose of it. Like that's what art is for. Right. right? Mm -hmm. Like if, yeah, if, exactly. If this had come out in August when it was, supposed to instead of lower decks do you think we'd be having these same reactions i don't think that we would yeah. no probably not a difference of 10 weeks mm -hmm. put it at this place where it is so unbelievably relevant every single week yeah i think it's i think it is intentional from the universe i think it is intended to help some of us raise our consciousness levels because Obviously, uh, humanity's consciousness levels have not been high enough because we're in a really shitty place and we have been for several mm -hmm. years and we have to not do that anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's going to take a lot of us realizing, hey, there's a lot more important things. There's bigger pictures. There's bigger things going on. We need to lead from empathy, Tilly. You know, we need right. to lead from love. Yeah. <laughs> and we need to be aware of our own mistakes and be have the foreknowledge to realize when we're going down the wrong road yeah. and to reverse because that's what Michael learned. Yeah, we got to yeah. call ourselves on our own shit yeah. first. Yes, mm -hmm. we do. And that is a hard thing to do. It doesn't yeah, feel people good. People dig their heels in. No, yeah. Nobody wants to be wrong and nobody of wants course. to be told they're wrong. Of course, yeah. nobody ever likes that feeling. However, I, I'm one of those people that I used to argue when people told me I was wrong. I'm not that person anymore. <laughs> I did, me too, so much. Unless we're talking about a fact. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, <laughs> no. And was it Nietzsche said there are no facts, there's just opinions of facts? Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> there, there are, that's the thing, it is based on perception as well. But you know, like if people, yeah. like if someone was to come up to me and say, "You're not a woman," it, it, I am a woman. That is a fact in my mm -hmm. mind, and etc. But again, it's all about perception. But now, I, <laughs> now I'm the kind of person that I'm like, okay, let me consider this and see if I am wrong, and look at the arguments. And if it's someone just shouting at me that I'm wrong and I'm stupid, then obviously it's just some dumb person that just wants to be mean. And just wants to yuck my yum. Uh, so I just let those go. Yeah. I just let those it go. It gets no. easier to do that, doesn't it? As time it goes sure on. It sure does. And it feels it good. Uh, you guys got me on philosophy now. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, philosophy minor in the house, you guys. Yep. Yeah. Uh, David Hume, a very famous atheist on his deathbed. The story goes, had a priest just waiting for him to recant and to accept Christ and all that stuff, and he wouldn't. But he was talking about that there's basically two truths, two ways to know something is true. One is by definition. Red is a color. That's unchangeable. Red will always be a color forever because that's the definition of red. But it's kind of meaningless. It doesn't really matter that red's a color. It doesn't affect human lives that much. Then there's true by experience, things you actually experience that snow is cold, 
you have to actually hold snow in your hand to realize, yes, snow is cold. The thing is, you can't have really both, <laughs> you know? And that's the thing about, like, um, people wanting their god to be both. Because something that's true by experience can be disproven. Something that's true by definition cannot. So mm. either something's basically meaningless because it's true by definition. It's really going to affect your life in a real way. Or it's true by experience and will. But the thing by experience is can be disproven and the other cannot. So which truth do you want in your life? You know, Do you want something that can be disproven or do you want something that can't but doesn't really matter? The I guess we kind of all fall somewhere in the middle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Weird. Mm. So, just talking about facts, I wanted to bring that up. Cool. Nice. And I guess that's the point of like the um, the experiment results. Is that's truth by experience? You know, that's going to be data that ascertains that this exact thing happened and it's something can't, that can be disproven so yeah yeah well it 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 proves that it did happen but it doesn't prove how it happened how it happened but it might disprove the assertion yeah. that that it was that navarre was responsible for the bird yeah or the federation was responsible for for forcing requesting that navarre uh, do this experiment. It wasn't a request. It was an order. It was an order. Mm -hmm. And then they left the Federation. And would you too? Yep. If you told somebody, hey, that we don't have all the information, this might not be the best choice, and then be told to do it anyway. Yeah. No wonder they left. Yep. Can't blame them in that regard, really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And can we trust the Federation? Is this still the same Federation that made that choice, or is Saru correct that they've learned from this mistake? I think that Saru's right. I think so too. I think that they they are learning. And they uh, need to continue I learning. Yeah. I think this Federation is holding on to straws. Yes. To its very last bits of power. And we kind of see that, too, in government mm -hmm. <laughs> right now. It, it's people clinging with all their strength to the shreds of power they still, the, still have. That's the thing, though. I don't think this is about power anymore. Mm. Because they've been in emergency mode for 120 right. years since the burn happened. Yeah. They've been in emergency mode. Now it's not quite that bad anymore. Now mm -hmm. they have discovery to help them with these things. And now Vance is becoming more and more willing to use discovery for these reasons. Like, Saru and Michael did the right thing by going to Vance and saying, you know, this is what's going on. We need access to this stuff. Then finding out that he doesn't have access to it and then sending them on that mission. Do you think we're going to see the return of this Federation arrogance? Now that Discovery's available to do all these things. I don't think so. Are we going to so. see, you know, the, the dragon rear its head again with mm. the Federation? I don't think so, because they are they don't have the resources to be a dragon anymore. Right. They don't have the authority to be a dragon anymore, and they know yeah. it. 
They are basically just right. trying to keep themselves and what member worlds remain alive. And quite frankly, with the sunlight that Discovery has brought back into their universe, mm. they would never let them. They wouldn't be able to with Mm-mm. with with that that hope that brought back with that optimism brought back with the true meaning of being together brought back i like that analogy of discovery being sunlight yes. because yes it brings light and hope but sunlight also reveals the things hidden in the darkness mm-hmm. yes and if discovery shows up and reveals maybe some of the darker more sinister sinister aspects of the federation over the last thousand years that's going to be very interesting in its own right because, you know, Discovery had to learn its own lessons through Lorca and, you know, even through Control. Mm-hmm. It's like these these mistakes that they've all learned from and they've coalesced as a family to embrace Federation principles. But now in the future, maybe they hold on to those principles more than what they do in this future incarnation. Very apt. Sunlight is the strongest disinfectant. Yes. It is indeed. Whew. Wow. Yep. Deep chat, (laughs) y'all. I know, right? I love Mm -hmm. deep chats. Yeah. Yeah, This episode definitely allows for that kind of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So it talks about moral issues and psychology and all kinds of things. Yes. Uh, yeah, I cried a lot during the uh, say yes bit, and that made me mm-hmm. super happy. And especially when Michael shows up with the data, and finally she and yeah. Tilly have their reconciliation. Not that they were ever going to, you know, end their friendship or anything like that, but Tilly right. was not happy with Michael, and rightly so. And uh, and it, it, the I found it interesting that it didn't even occur to Michael that she was putting Tilly in a terrible position. So. Right. That is another oh, thing she learned. And she goes, my choice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Because Michael removed a lot of people's choices when she just left without telling anybody. Yeah. She forced everybody in a bad position. Yep. Uh, how about the whole uh, needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few? And uh, Tarina going, well, we don't really live by those proverbs anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, they can't really serve you and that's something about utilitarianism that whole idea that the needs of many outweigh the needs of few is it can be pretty sinister in its own right yeah and we've seen that with what star trek insurrection Mm -hmm. is that using that planet's resources to help all these other people but at the expense of the people living there yeah that's the issue is what happens to the few i mean we saw it in at the end of the klingon war yeah. With, with, yeah, with Starfleet. Yep. It's like if the few suffer too greatly, then the needs of the many aren't worth it. Mm-hmm. Agreed. That is a great yep. way to put it, babe. Hmm. Yeah. Do you sacrifice one lamb for the needs of the flock? Yeah. That's, uh, I think that's something we forget sometimes, and yep. it's good to be slapped in the face with it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anything else that we have to discuss? I I'm ready for the next episode. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. I need to see where I need to see where this is going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have what six left now. We're over halfway done. 
I know I don't want it to be that way, but that's okay because I'll rewatch it like ten times till the next. Yeah, this out. is like the linchpin episode, isn't it? It's it like is. right in the center. This it is, is yeah. the this episode. I mean, last season it was episode eight when we got mm-hmm. "If Memory Serves," but this this is the for some reason this is what uh, Unification Three is to season three as if memory serves is to season two for me i was thinking the same thing today yeah again huge love letter to star trek the star trek universe mm-hmm. and amazing tying in to past stories that we knew a lot about they yes. they, they they are pillars of star trek excellence these two episodes agree completely for the universe of star trek yes Excellent. All right, then. I'm not even going to go over final thoughts. I think we've all said everything that we need to say. <laughs> yeah, I think, so. I think we just did. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> then, Christopher, where can people find you when you're not doing this? Well, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at CD Littlefield, and you can follow my other shows. You can follow Open Channel at Open Channel Trek, and there are four questions at Four Questions Trek, and that's the number four not spelled out. And I'm also in the Nexus on Facebook, Hollow Sweet Media's listeners group. Yeah, come join our listeners group, guys. Dave? You can find me on Twitter at Dark Corner Cast. You can also find me on Facebook under DJ Evil Dave. I also host with Brandy the Dark Corner Podcast on darkcornerpodcast.com. If you're an Apple Podcasts user, you can subscribe, rate, and review, or do that on any other podcatcher. It would be very much appreciated. Yep. Uh, Yeah. And I do too many things. We've already talked about this many times. So uh, I'm just going to quickly go through them. Um, Follow me on Brandywine12 on Twitter, because that is the easiest way to see what's upcoming, because I'll post about it. Uh, or if someone po- else posts about it, I'll retweet it. <laughs> and so uh, there are other Hollow Sweet Media podcasts that I'm on. Boldly Go, Star Trek Strange New Worlds podcast with my friend Suzanne. The Vedic Assembly with my friends Liam and Nick talking about Deep Space Nine. Uh, I do a solo podcast sometimes called Headcanon, which is a weird trip through my brain. And I do two live shows, uh, Infinite Trek, on Saturdays at 1 p.m., uh, that is on the Outpost 13 channel on Twitch, and that's with my friend Aaron Harvey, and the Unready Room on Saturday evenings at 7 p.m. Mountain Time with my friend Dan Gunther, and you can find that on his YouTube channel, which is Kurt Ratz Productions, and those are the things I do. All right. Those are the things she does. She does. Those are the things she does. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So uh, thank you once again for joining our rambling and listening to us. And we appreciate you. Jump on over into the Nexus. Leave us some comments if you'd like. Or on our Facebook page, which Ooh. is just Watch the Future Holds a Star Trek Discovery podcast. And we will see you all. No, we won't. Why do I say see every time? I will see you guys, but they won't see us. So you will hear us again in a week's time so that we can see what the future holds.
hey, at least we haven't actually started the episode, so shut your face. Uh, do, 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 do. Ugh, that was awkward. This show is brought to you by Hollow Sweet Media. Computer, list other available Hollow Sweet Media programs. Loading Hollow Sweet Preview Program for The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast. I did kind of like the idea that he had the armory to work in. That was like his main mm-hmm. his main workspace, I guess. I found that quite different and that excited me. I think they kind of moved away from that a little bit as the show went on. Yeah, as we went on. It definitely appeared more in the first season, I think, and maybe the second than it did the later ones. Did you ever become attached to Malcolm as a character? I wouldn't necessarily say attached, but I always I enjoyed mo- most of the, the times that he was on screen and interacting with the rest of the crew. For me, I was I was more attached to Trip. so... Yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess it makes sense that you and I are doing a podcast together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Loading Sweet Preview Program for There Are Four Questions, a Star Trek Spotlight podcast. That felt pretty cool and that's when I, I really really started connecting with star trek when i was actually here and on on the level of creator as opposed to fan so that was where i started getting it was like hey i could do this i remember writing <laughs> i sent this letter to him i wrote to um eric stillwell before i moved to, to los angeles and asked about the the rules for submitting the script and all that stuff and then i had this idea never heard back from him Loading Sweet preview program for Ladies Trek Library, women with a passion for Star Trek books. One of the reasons I was excited to read this book was because it was called Uhura's Song. And we don't get a lot of books where Uhura is a main character. Um, and she was my favorite character from the original series. So I was excited to see a book about her. And I, and I like how, and I was thinking about the, uh, the Broadway play Cats because they kind of used cat names that that reminded me of the names in this book so and and this book was written in 85 so it could have been inspired by cats in that way computer deactivate holosuite